0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey, folks. Welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. If you love America, if you love your family, if you want to protect your family, if you want to learn more about how to do that, you came to the right place today. We've got all kinds of good stuff for you today. Last week, we talked about prepping, how to prepare for societal collapse, uh, social breakdown, things of that nature. But one thing that we didn't talk about was security. How do you protect all of those things, well, you know, the the food, the water, your home and your loved ones? That is all those things that you gathered up over the past 5-10 years preparing for when the crap hits the fan, that could all be taken away from you in in a, just a few seconds if the right people attack you and try and do that we're going to talk about that quite a bit in segments two three and four but first let's talk about my personal life not a whole lot going on we we got through groundhog day okay groundhog day is a special day for me my wife doesn't understand this but i am not i repeat i am not a good winter person i was born and raised here in in michigan And you'd think I'd be used to the cold by now, but I'm not. It gets worse and worse every single year. My bones get older, they get colder, and I just don't handle the cold like I used to. But February 2nd, man, that is Groundhog Day. So to me, Groundhog Day is the beginning of the end of winter, and that just does my heart good. Sarah and I and the the three little ones, we had a special day on Groundhog Day. We went ahead and we made pizza. And making pizza at my house is hard to do because my son, he, he can't have anything with gluten, soy, or dairy in it. Try making a pizza without gluten, soy, or dairy. It, it was tough. It was challenging, but we did it and it didn't taste half bad. And then we watched one of my favorite movies, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Oh, man, we had such a blast with that. I love that movie. It's just so insightful. And funny, really funny. So we had a good time with that. Don't ask me about the Super Bowl. I, uh, you know, I guess uh, the New England Patriots won. Tom Brady won. So what? But Super, you know, football. I played in high school, but once I learned how to use firearms, it just didn't make any sense to play football without M16s and Claymore mines. Uh, I just, I just don't get it. But anyways, that's just me. Now I'm just kind of waiting for spring to come so I can go out mushroom hunting. But we'll talk about that in a couple of months. Right now, let's spend some extra time going over self-defense scenarios because I got a few good ones that I want to talk to you about. Okay, folks, let's start by going to BearingArms.com. I like BearingArms.com. They they have some good stories. Uh, what's right up top here? Idiot wearing ski mask carries an A K forty seven in police station. Chaos ensues. All right. Well, let's I'm not sure he was an idiot, but let's let's find out. Let's read the story first. Let's withhold judgment. Let me ask you a common sense question. What would you expect to happen if you slipped a ski mask over your head, strapped body armor on, slung an A K across your chest and walked into your local police station with the rifle held at the low ready? <laughs> Is that a trick question? I would expect to die, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. After the deadly ambushes of police officers in Dallas and Baton Rouge this past year and numerous other attempts on the lives of police officers and an attack on police station in Dallas, you might expect the officer inside that, that station to react with alarm, fearing another attack. Okay, the duo reported that they were heading into the station to file a complaint. Well, Well, that would definitely get people's attention. We're going in to file a complaint because we were illegally pulled over about an hour ago. The masked man said, as he hefted his cheaply furnished AK rifle. We felt a little afraid for our lives as we were pulled over, so we figured we'd better protect ourselves. That doesn't sound, uh, genuine to me. As the men entered the main lobby of the station, officers quickly took note of the situation, drawing their sidearms. Dude, put that on the ground, one officer says. The sound of weapons unholstering clearly audible in the background. (laughs) Oh. Man, those guys, I must have had a death wish. Uh, uh, listen, I'm, uh, I'm as open carry friendly as the next guy, but I tell you, I mean, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean you won't die if you do it. Uh, they were lucky they didn't get killed. The two protesting men continued to advance. Dumb move. Seemingly confused before coming to a halt. <laughs> Why were they confused? <laughs> what did they expect? I will put a round in you, sir, the lawn man shouts, his horse tone indicative of the tension in the air. What the hell is the matter with you? Another officer inquired in disbelief. <laughs> oh, if you want to understand why people hate open carry activists, you need look no further than these two men. Ah, well, I can tell you not all open carry activists are like that. I mean, not even close. But these guys, they were stupid. Really Stupid. The men were charged with resisting, breach of peace, and failure to comply. They're very lucky that officers kept their composure and followed their training, especially as the men did not immediately follow lawful commands. Actually, in my opinion, these two guys, they they showed an incredible amount of trust and confidence in law enforcement by doing what they did. I mean, they unless they were totally suicidal, which they don't appear to have been, they went in there believing that the police would not shoot them that the police would show restraint and wisdom and they did i mean yeah they drew on them but gosh i probably would have drawn on them too i mean a black ski mask body armor and an ak-47 that's just uh that that would definitely set off bells and whistles for me i just uh that's that's bad that's that's really bad in poor taste dangerous for everybody folks i don't think you should be doing stuff like that i just don't i really don't they were showboating they wanted to uh they didn't want to advance second amendment rights i think they were just pissed off and they wanted to make a point they did but they were lucky they didn't die that's for sure let's move on to something less stupid what else we got oh here's another A little similar. This cop approached three teens with an AR-15, and everyone is freaking out. Okay, let's see if there's some similarities here. Citizens in the reliably left-leaning North Carolina city of Asheville are having a fit because a police officer stepped out of his car with an AR-15, held it to low ready to confront three teenagers. Huh. All right, well, let's find out. Okay, oh, there's a backstory here. Asheville, North Carolina. Okay, What basically what happened is... Just the previous week, there had been reports of six different shots fired uh, complaints. So they're thinking, oh, oh, and and, uh, they got a 911 call saying three teenagers were walking down the street with guns. Okay. So, I, I see a picture of the cop. He's not pointing the gun at anyone. He's got it held at the low ready. And there are two police officers. Neither one have drawn on the teens. They just stopped them. And interrogated them. Uh, They found out that uh, the gun was a BB gun, but they just weren't taking any chances. So, you know, i got to tell you, I'm always going to give law enforcement the benefit of the doubt, unless they do something really outrageous, because they are that thin blue line that stands between us and anarchy. I, I give them the benefit of the doubt on this. I really do. You have to understand that they were going up against multiple assailants. They don't know what they're going into. They just got three teenagers with guns walking down the, the sidewalk. Um, and they they didn't threaten them with their AR-15. It was just there if they needed it. And I don't care if they get out of their, their uh, car every single time with an AR-15. Let's face it. Handguns are severely underpowered for personal defense. Therefore, they're severely underpowered for cops as well. I think it's fine what they did. Looks like their commander is sticking up for them, but the uh, public is going berserk. They don't understand law enforcement. They don't understand the danger that cops put themselves in. I'm okay with this. Maybe I know some people just don't like cops, but I think 99% of the time, cops do a great job, and I'm glad that they're there. I'm with the cops on this one. If you uh, don't don't like my opinion, you can certainly send me an email, hotmail.com Go ahead and complain. You can verbally light me up if you like, and I'll I'll respond. Uh, Next week on the show, skipcorial at hotmail.com. All right, what else we got here? We got something good? (laughs) I love these headlines. Armed robber gets smoked trying to rob Texas barbecue joint. Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. Maybe I shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, I'm so insensitive. All right, two armed robbers apparently targeted the senior citizen owner of JNS Barbecue Saturday night, thinking that the man would be an easy target as he walked to his car after closing. When are they going to learn? Old guys carry guns. They figured wrong. The 70-year-old owner of a Houston barbecue joint shot and killed a man who tried to rob him over the weekend. Well, good for him. Police said the man had just closed up in the Northeast houston on saturday night and was walking to his car the man whom police did not identify was carrying a gun because he'd been robbed before he told police okay so he he's trainable so when two men jumped out from behind a dumpster and an attempt to rob him he shot at them one of the men was hit twice in the throat and chest that is good marksmanship under stress that's really good shooting he was taken to a hospital where he died The second suspect ran from the scene, and it does not appear that he was hit in the robbery. Oh, that's too bad. Well, maybe he'll turn over a new leaf and become a missionary to Brazil. Who knows? But I doubt it. Uh, This appears to be a clear-cut case of armed self-defense, and charges are not expected against the store owner. Okay. Hey, I got no problem with that. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Give him his wallet? Let him do whatever they want to do to him? I like that. I especially like it when old people do that. Old people lighting up young people who think they own the world. All right. That's a good one. What else we got? Okay. (laughs) Customer shoots diaper thief at Florida Walmart. Will he get charged defending your diaper? Is that legal justification for using deadly force? Uh, Let's find out. Here we go. A customer attempting to help a Walmart employee stop a number of people who stole two carts filled with merchandise in Orlando. Saturday ended up shooting one of them after claiming that he thought the man was reaching for a weapon. What, did, did he have a pistol in his diaper or what? Police say a customer at a Walmart store uh, fatally shot a man who was among a group suspected of stealing two carts full of merchandise. Wow. Sheriff's Captain A.L. A. L. Neves says the men were loading the merchandise into a car when a worker and a customer who came to the employee's aid confronted them. Neves says the customer was armed and fired at a suspect who he thought was going for a weapon. Neves didn't identify anyone. The question is, did he have a weapon? All four suspects jumped in a vehicle and took off. Well, I don't blame them. Somebody started shooting at me. I'll leave too. The male suspect was dumped at a gas station nearby. Second suspect, a juvenile female, was shot in the leg, apparently by accident. How? And was captured at the hospital later where she sought treatment. Two other suspects are still on the run. All right. They we're a little short on facts here. You know what? But they don't say anywhere that they recovered a firearm. There's no mention of a firearm. The only mention of firearm by the bad guys is that the customer who was coming to the aid of the Walmart guy says he thought he was going, reaching for a firearm. Oh, doesn't use say firearm. Who thought he was going for a weapon. Folks, I think this is really bad use of deadly force. This guy, he's going to have some legal problems. He really is. He used deadly force. There's no evidence, at least not from this story, that he was legally justified in using deadly force. You can't shoot someone because they're stealing diapers from Walmart. You just can't do that. Not a good move. Not a good move at all. Okay, folks, that's it for this segment. When we come back on the Home Defense Show, we will be talking about home defense during the apocalypse.
2: My name is CJ Coriel. Welcome to the Home Defense Show with my dad, Skip Coriel. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.
3: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out of pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to
1: the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. This week we are talking about the apocalypse, how to prepare yourself for the apocalypse. In uh, prepping circles, that's called Tia Tawaki, the end of the world as we know it. It's quite an acronym, quite a mouthful. But uh, some of you don't know, I have been preparing for Tia Tawaki. For, well, about eight, nine years now, uh, quite a long time. And I got to tell you, it's it's a pretty good time. It's, it's fun. I really enjoy it. My wife and I do it together, and our kids get involved with that. We just do all kinds of uh, fun things together, whether it's food preparation or gardening or, you know, shooting, all of those things. They're just a really good time. Now, let's talk about the stigma of a prepper. That term really does have a stigma, primarily because of all the disaster movies or the reality shows that you see on television. And typically, they'll, they will profile a quote-unquote prepper every week on the show. And they go out and they find the, the craziest lunatic that they can... Um, you know, an example would be how to prepare for an alien invasion or how to prepare for the great zombie apocalypse. And then they make that person look like a total lunatic. And at the end of the show, they say, well, experts say that the odds of this actually happening are almost uh, nil. And so it's, it's entertainment. But the truth is, societies have always ended societies have always collapsed it's just a matter of time now it's up to you whether or not you want to go that route but there are lots of ways to prepare for a hurricane or an earthquake or pandemic social unrest or whatever is causing society to partially or totally collapse you can prepare for that without looking like a total lunatic And that's what my wife and I have done. Are we lunatics? Well, the jury's still out on that. I'll let you guys form your own opinion. Maybe I am. Maybe I am crazy. Who knows? The thing about crazy people is they don't know they're crazy. But we had uh, Trim from South Dakota on last week. And Trim had five items that he prepared for in order of importance. He had number one is water number two is food, number three is staying warm, number four, morale, number five, communication and transportation. My list is similar to his, but not the same by any means. I have number one as security, and Trim didn't even deal with security. Uh, perhaps he just assumed that anyone who had all that stuff and was preparing for societal collapse would already know how to protect themselves. I mean, he was a special forces guy. Forty-year military vet, so he may have just assumed that. When I made my list, I listed them in the order of how fast could things go south if you didn't have this item. For example, number one, security. Trim had number one is water because you can uh, you can only go without water for two or three days, and you'll you'll dehydrate and you'll die. My reasoning for having security number one is, you know, you can take all of these items. You can stack up bullets and beans and all the food in the world. And in a societal collapse situation, that just makes you a target because you have everything that the world needs. All these people that didn't prepare, they're going to have to get their stuff somewhere or die. It could be your neighbor. Your neighbor could come to your house and say, oh, yeah, Joe, can I borrow a cup of sugar and then pull out a gun and shoot you? Now, my neighbors aren't like that, but who knows what things are going to be like when your neighbor's wife and kids are starving to death and he has a choice. I can either rob my neighbor, take his food, or I can watch my family die. Things change when the ante is up like that. So that's why security is number one. You can die after two or three days without water. But after five seconds without security, you can die, your wife can die, uh, your kids can die. It's just, uh, in my mind, security is number one. Number two, I've got shelter. Um, I'm from Michigan. Now, if you're from Florida or Arizona, it's probably not that big a deal. But up here in Michigan, in the wintertime, if you don't have proper shelter, you could very well die in the space of four or five hours from exposure. Uh, it gets uh, below zero here sometimes in the wintertime. With wind chill, it's even worse. So you could die overnight. Three, I have water, because two or three days without water, you could die. Four, I have food. You can only go without food uh, for so long, and then you're malnourished, and you eventually die or uh, opens you up to disease of some kind. Five, I've got skill set. I think that's one of the things that's overlooked quite a bit. People will go out, and they'll buy... All these guns and ammunition, they'll buy uh, MREs, they'll buy seeds, all kinds of equipment, and they'll stockpile things, but then they have no idea how to use this kind of stuff. Back in 1850, people knew how to grow their own food. They knew how to can their food. They knew how to dehydrate it. They knew how to dig a well. Um, all of these things, uh, they're skill sets that people don't have anymore. So it doesn't matter how much stuff you have. If you can't protect it and you don't know how to use it, you're you're in, you're in deep doo-doo. Um, you're not going to last very long. So skill set for me is important. Six uh, is morale. That's what had, Trim had for number four. I think that is important. Because if your family is uh, demotivated, uh, demoralized, then they're not going to be an effective team. They won't work together. They will be less productive. So morale is important, morale and recreation. Uh, number seven, communication and transport, transportation. That's, that's what Trim had for his last item. Um, that ties in with morale. If you don't know what's going on around you, one, you don't know what threats are coming. Two, you don't know the present state of things. Um, three, you don't know what to prepare for. Um, you know, what is coming your way down the down the pike? Transportation. Um, if you have an emergency, you need to get to a doctor. The doctor is five miles away. How are you going to get there? So those seven items are my items. I'll read them off again. One is security. Two is shelter, three is water, four is food, five is skill set, six is morale, and then seven is communication and transportation. Now, I'm in no way uh, uh, dissing Trim's list of five from last week because he had a pretty good list and he knows what he's doing. Everyone's list is going to be a little bit different and that's okay. We all live and die by our own list. But what I want to talk about primarily this week is security. Security, first and foremost, is the most important to me. Now, that could be my background. I mean, obviously, I'm concealed carry instructor. I teach firearms tactics, you know, Marine Corps veteran, have a big family. Those things are going to be, security is going to be high on my list. I need to be able to protect my family. That is my charter in life. It, it's my my reason for being is to protect my family and the ones that I love. And I take that very, very seriously. That's why I practice with my firearms. That's why I train. That's why I'm always going out on the Internet looking for new information because gunfighting is a skill set and it's a perishable skill set and the better I am at tactics and defense the better I'll be able to protect my family and this is just my opinion one man's opinion is if I can't protect my family I have lost I have not prepared I have not fulfilled my purpose in life. A hundred years ago, that was a man's purpose in life. He raised his family. He was there. He was strong. He was the support. He was the one who went in harm's way and stood as the shield and the sword between his family and any threat that was out there. I take that very, very seriously. And I would like you guys to do the same thing. I mean, does the wife help? Well, yeah, of course she helps. Uh, My wife is my backup. You know, we, we have an agreement, Sarah and I. When there's a primary deadly threat, I spring into action, probably because I just have that mindset. I have that warrior mindset. So I'll be the first one to go into action. And... And we have discussed this. As soon as I go into action, Sarah knows that okay, uh, Skip wouldn't pull out his gun unless he was legally justified in using deadly force. So that means that I'm free to pull out my gun and also to provide backup and put bullets on target. So, yeah, the the wife is very very important. Uh, the husband is very very important. Uh, You're a team. You want to work as a team. You want to have plans. You want to know what each of you has to do. What is your role? What is your role as the wife, as the mother, as the husband, as the father? And talk about this and plan for it and train for it as well. Very, very important. So you've got that mindset. You have to have the warrior mindset in an apocalyptic situation that sounds funny apocalyptic situation the scenario is the crap has hit the fan society has collapsed people out there who would normally stop and help you fix a flat tire are now stopping shooting you just for the 10 gallons of gas in your car So that's the scenario. When it all goes south, it goes south big and in a big way. In my novel series, The God Virus, it's an apocalyptic series. That's what happens. In the space of four hours, society goes from, hey, we're nice people. I'll help you. Hi, how you doing? To uh, I shoot you in the back and I take your gun and your ammunition. That's the way that it is. That's the way that it will be if this society ever collapses. And I think someday that it will. It's just a matter of time. Okay, sorry to be so maudlin today, but hey, we're talking about the apocalypse. It can be upbeat. It can be fun. When we come back in segment three, we're going to talk more about security during the apocalypse.
2: This is Phoenix Crayal. Welcome to whole, the home the French show with Skip Coyle. He's my dad. Your auto love and investment demands the best. And for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequalled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your
0: need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel, but you already knew that. We are talking about security during the great apocalypse. You know, I got to tell you, stuff like this just excites me. I know that's crazy. Um, I'm not supposed to want the apocalypse. I'm not supposed to want the end of the world as we know it. But, I don't know, preparing for eight, nine years for the end of the world as we know it and then having it not happen, it's kind of anticlimactic, you know. It's kind of like buying a brand-new Corvette, putting it in your garage, and then never driving it. But I guess the same could be said about having nuclear weapons, but we won't go there. All right. I'm excited about this segment. Let's get into the nuts and bolts, the nitty gritty, the hardware of security during the great apocalypse. A thought came to me the other day. What if I could only have one gun? Now, don't panic. You can have as many guns as you want. This is America. But what if you could only have one gun for the apocalypse? It's like the world's going to end tomorrow. Society's going to collapse. You have to choose one gun. I know that's traumatic for some of you. For me, I'm having trouble with it myself. But you've only got one gun. You need it for home defense. You need it to hunt. You need it to repel multiple attackers um, it has to be small enough. It has to be big enough. Uh, you have to be able to get ammo for it. You have to be able to repair it. All of these things. What if you could only have one gun? Perish the thought. Wow. But well, let's let's look at that for a second. If you could only have one gun, what would you have? Well, what are the requirements? What does this gun have to do? It has to be large enough in caliber. Has to be enough firepower to repel bad guys from coming into your house, raping your wife, stealing your kids, stealing all your food. So I think that that rules out a twenty two long rifle, um, even a twenty two Magnum. What else does it have to do? Well, it has to be able to hunt small game and large game. As well as taking down a man-sized target for personal defense, just for the record, uh, you would not want to take down a man-sized target for food, okay? We're we're end of the world, but I have my standards. So squirrel we're talking squirrels, rabbits, possum, groundhog. I know those last two. It's not on my list today. But if if it's a difference between my family starving and eating a groundhog or a possum, I'm sorry. The possums are ugly, but garlic, butter, salt, pepper—I mean, whatever. You do what you got to do, right? 22 rifle would work fine for that. 22 pistol would do that, but it won't take the man down the man-sized target or a deer, for that matter. So we need something uh, with more caliber. What else? What does it have to do? Well, other requirements are you have to be thinking about ammo. How can I replenish the ammo? You can go with some type of a NATO round, like a 5.56 or a 9mm. Um, Those are good options. If you had reloading equipment, which I do, uh, and supplies, you could do that, but only for a time. Eventually... You're going to run out of gunpowder. And the propellant that you use in 9mm and 5.56 rounds, that's pretty clean, burning, burning fast-burning gunpowder. And uh, long-term, doesn't have the sustainability. So, what does that leave? Uh, I think that leaves a, a shotgun for me. I mean, a pistol is not accurate out to long distances. Uh, a shotgun, while it has limited range, um, most people with a little bit of practice can take down a man-sized or deer-sized target at 100 yards. I mean, I've certainly done that. So a shotgun. I think a shotgun is what I'm going to go with. I'll probably go with a pump shotgun uh, just because less things to break, less moving parts. Um, Don't have to worry about it jamming. I'll go with a 12-gauge because it's more universal. There are certainly more 12-gauges out there than 20s or 410s. Lots of knockdown power. Can you defend your home with a 12-gauge shotgun? Yeah. People do it today. It's fantastic. It's a little light on firepower as far as multiple assailants. You know, if you're actually attacked in a military event, you know, 20, 30 people coming in to take what you have in a coordinated attack, that would be rough, but it's a compromise. In a situation like that, I want my AR-15 or my AK-47, something with a 30-round magazine that I can quickly, quickly swap out for a fresh mag, but... You can't have everything. And thank God this is all hypothetical because we can have more than one gun. The shotgun, what else does it do? It is so easy to reload shotgun shells. And you can reload them over and over again. You don't have to have lead to reload. You don't have to have lead shot. You don't have to have lead slugs. You could load that. That sucker up with uh, rocks, if you wanted. You could load it with rocks, gravel, um, salt, who knows. But eventually, lead will become scarce. If you're talking about a long-term societal collapse, lead will not always be with us. But a shotgun gives you more options. Downside to the shotgun... You know, we're talking a 12-gauge shotgun. I only get one gun. It's going to be a little hard for my wife to handle. But maybe we need to beef her up a little bit, Put her on a workout program, give her more upper body strength. I don't know. Or I suppose, you you, you know, you could compromise. You could go down to a 20-gauge as a compromise and just make sure you have extra uh, shells around that you can reload. Uh, muzzle loader. You can make your own gunpowder for that. The problem is you're not going to be able to protect your home from more than one invader. I mean, look what happened in the Civil War. It's going to take you. You can fire one shot a minute. Two at, at most if you're really good. So... I think I'm going with my Remington Model 870 Pump Shotgun. I love that thing. I've got five rounds, four in the tube, one in the uh, chamber. If you want to go with the tactical model uh, 870, then you've got six in the tube, one in the chamber. Uh, if you want three-inch Magnums, then, you know, you. I think it's four in the tube and, and one in the chamber. So you got your choice of five or seven rounds, uh, with your shotgun. A heck of a lot of stopping power. You hit someone with double up buckshot, they know they've been hit. They go down, they go down hard. Limited range with buckshot, I know, but like I said, it is a trade-off. Thank God we get more than one. So, if I had to choose, i choose the Model 870, Uh, Remington shotgun, I'd be interested to know via email, text messages, whatever. If you guys had to choose just one gun, what would you choose? Would you go with the AR-15? And, you know, a lot of guys do that. They go with the AR-15, then they have 10,000 rounds of ammo that they stockpile. It's not not a bad idea. Uh, and, uh, they can reload if they want to, but they've got to have the, the dies. Folks, on reloading, don't think that you can just buy all the equipment, store it in your garage, and then when the crap hits the fan, you can say, okay, now I'm going to learn how to reload AR-15 rounds. That's not the best way to do it. You need experience. You need a knowledge base. You need the propellant. You got to keep the propellant dry. Uh, you need uh, rounds. You need the brass. You need the primers. It is a big deal to reload AR-15 rounds. Um, not as big a deal for a nine-millimeter, but still, you have to have all the equipment. You have to have all the all the other supplies. Plus, you have to have the knowledge base. You have to know how to do it. And the apocalypse, when people are trying to kill you, is not the time to add a new skill set. One thing that I highly recommend, whether it's for security or food or water, prepare in advance and actually live like you're in the apocalypse. Let's talk about that more in the uh, in the final segment. But again, send me an email, skipcoryell at hotmail.com, S-K-I-P-C-O-R-Y-E-L-L at hotmail.com. Tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, I'd like to get some mail coming into the show so that we can talk about it on the air. I'd like to know your feedback. I'd like to know what you like about the show, what you want more of. Um, And that way we have a a two-way street. I can give you what you need what you want as far as knowledge uh, and skills you know as long as we're talking about skill sets and training I think it's a real good idea to go online and buy several books one book that I would definitely buy and I already have I've read it, it's great it's called How to Prepare for the End of the World as We Know It. It's written by James Wesley Rawls. Um, He is the founder of, I believe, a Uh, survivalblog.com. Retired Army Ranger lives out west. He eats, lives, and breathes this stuff. His book really is the, the definitive work on how to prepare for the end of the world as we know it. That's where I started eight, nine years ago, and it has held me in good stead. Um, I highly recommend you get that book. Um, Get it, uh, get a digital copy, get a hard copy, read it, study it. Use that as your starting point. Um, There are a lot of prepping networks online, uh, American Preppers uh, Network, uh, survivalblog.com, just a whole bunch of them don't use just one source. If you use just one source then you will uh, be disappointed because you're getting more than you you're only getting one point of view. you want more than one point of view because preparing for the end of the world is really difficult work because there are so many different scenarios. I mean what are you preparing for? partial collapse, total collapse, pandemic. Uh, if you're preparing for a pandemic, then you got to beef up on certain medical supplies. If it's an earthquake, something different. If it's uh, a financial collapse, then that's something even different. So you don't really know exactly what you're preparing for. So you got to prepare for a lot of different stuff. Folks, we're going to be back here in a couple of minutes. We're going to talk more about surviving the end of the world as we know it.
0: Welcome to my
2: dad's Home Defense Radio Show. You're gonna love it. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation, Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. The disease
4: of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. I'm your host, Skip Coriel. The last three segments, we have been talking about home security during the apocalypse. Now there's a few things we haven't talked about yet. Before I forget, I want to talk to you about different places where you can learn. Because we've been talking about skill set, um, knowing knowing the skills that you need to survive in a basically a grid down, power out scenario um, where the rule of law has collapsed. So uh, there are some. I've read a lot of books on this. I'm a fiction person. I love fiction. I love to learn how to do things by reading fiction. So I'm a novelist by trade, so that's probably why I love a good story. But some of my favorite authors, I've already mentioned uh, James Wesley Rawls' uh, nonfiction book, How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It, is a must-read. That should be your starting point. Um, He has also um, written some books... uh, let me look him up here real quick. Okay, he has also written a, a book called Patriots Surviving the Coming Collapse, um, "Expatriates," a novel of the coming global collapse, Survivors, a novel of the coming collapse. There's just a whole series, uh, liberators, founders. If you enjoy a good story and you want to get some good prepping tips, um, that's a, that's a good way to go. There's also a guy, I'm sure this is his pen name. Uh, His name is Joe Nobody, and he has written a Holding Their Own series, and it looks like it's up to volume 13. (laughs) uh, That's a little more hardcore, but it's a good story, and and you learn some things. So that's good. Um, Oddly enough, another um, good place to to learn about prepping is from Laura Ingalls Wilder. Laura Ingalls Wilder. If you're familiar with um, Little House on the Prairie, you will. Uh, you can read all of those. We read those to our kids, and Sarah and I realized, wow, we're reading these stories from the Old West, and we're learning how to do things like make a sod house, how to make a fireplace. We're learning how to tan a hide, how to smoke a ham, all kinds of things like that. You can learn right in Little House on the Prairie, Little House in the Big Woods, all of those things. Um, That's a fun way to do it. And, of course, don't forget that author Skip Coriel, The God Virus, uh, The Shadow Militia, and The Saracen Tide, and the coming book in the series, The Blind Man's Rage. Um, Those are all uh, a good way to enjoy yourself while you are learning about prepping. So do as much of that as you can. Also, American Preppers Network... There's an interesting fellow over in Canada named Bruce Beach. He has an organization called ARC-2. I think we're going to have him on uh, in the the coming weeks to talk about reconstruction after uh, the collapse. So that will be interesting as well. Another thing, when you talk about home security, you really need to organize your friends, your family, and your neighborhood They need to be an asset instead of a liability. Now, what I have done is organized my neighborhood into a community watch, community crime watch, and that's an excellent way to break the ice, to get to know people. Uh, It's something that I do for the Berry County Sheriff's Office uh, for free as a volunteer. I help organize neighborhood watches all over the county. I've done that in my own neighborhood as well, because you ha- when you really think about it, your neighbors can be your best friend or your worst nightmare, and you have some control over that. I mean, okay, if someone rubs you the wrong way, you don't like their personality, or he's picky about your uh, dog, you know, pooping on his lawn. I mean, work with the guy. Work with your neighbors compromise because they're not going to go away. They're going to stay there. And they can either be in the asset column or the liability column. They will be in one of those two columns. My neighbors are fantastic. I, I've uh, the neighbors right across from me. They're both Vietnam combat veterans, so I know they can handle themselves. Uh true. They're a little long in the tooth now, but I'm not a spring chicken either. But, hey, they can shoulder a carbine and they can, you know, fire it with the best of them. So they are in the asset column. And uh, my, my one neighbor, uh, Navy, Navy veteran, I believe he was on uh, swift boats in uh, Vietnam. My chickens would cross the road. They'd walk into his garage, and one day he left his uh, door propped open for circulation. And my chickens walk right into his house and start pooping all over his floor. Boy, did he get mad. He came over holding this chicken, and I could see the look on his face. Wow, that's odd. Uh, he's he's really angry. It's not like him. And I thought, he's going he's gonna to throw this chicken at me. <laughs> but he managed to hold his temper and explain to me what happened. And I couldn't help myself. I laughed because I thought, wow, that's really funny primarily because it wasn't my kitchen they were pooping in. But I said, okay, hey, no problem, uh, Bill, we'll we'll take care of that. I'll coop up my uh, chickens, and so I built a fence, built a chicken coop, and they're no longer free-ranging. And that's a nuisance for me. I prefer that they free-range, they eat the grubs in the lawn, they're just healthier. But you know what? The guy's got a good gripe. My chickens should not be pooping in his kitchen. But anyways, that's just one example. But at least now, we know the answer to the age-old question, why did the chicken cross the road? Answer, to poop in my neighbor's kitchen. I mean, I've, I've organized our neighborhood watch, and I've got a good core group of individuals that I know, if the crap ever does hit the fan, they're going be to the, be there for me. They, they know how to defend themselves and their families. Uh, they're good-hearted people. They also know how to feed themselves, too, and that is a definite plus. Teach your neighbors how to feed themselves, because if they can't feed themselves and society collapses, who are they going to be coming to for food? It's going to be you, because they know that you have prepared and they have not. So talk about it with them. Encourage them to build up a supply, to can their own food, dehydrate their own food, stock up. All of those things that you're doing, encourage other people to do as well. That moves them from the liability column into the asset column and will help all of you to survive in the coming collapse. And this is a real easy thing to do, setting up a Neighborhood Watch. You just need to go to the National Sheriff's Association. Those are the ones who established Neighborhood Watch. I think it was back in 1972, I think. And they've been doing it for decades. But all you have to do is register on their site, and the URL would be nnw.org. That's November November Whiskey Just go there, do a quick registration. Then the next step is to contact your local law enforcement, maybe your county sheriff's office, and say, hey, I'm setting up a neighborhood watch meeting. Um, with my community and I would like an officer to come in and talk to us about home security and that's what I did they were happy to do that they came in they know we exist and it's just a really good first step to enhancing your home security whether we're during the apocalypse or today now my neighbors know me I know them when I go on vacation I go over and I say, hey, hey, Bill, Don, I'm uh, going on vacation. I'll be gone for three days. Here's who I expect to be there, who I don't. They've got my cell number, uh, and I've been on vacation, and I've gotten a call and said, hey, are you is someone supposed to be at your house right now? And that's uh, that's good. You know, we communicate with each other. We watch each other's backs. That's what community is all about. And community is going to be so vitally important in a grid-down, power-out scenario. You have to watch each other because you can prepare all you want, but if you're not connected to the community, to your neighbors, uh, your family especially. We moved back home after decades away from home, and now I'm within uh, 10 minutes of all of my brothers and sisters, all five brothers and sisters, and I like that. We watch out for each other. You know, there's that saying, you can, you can pick your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. And that is so true. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my relatives. They're fantastic. I've got the best brothers and sisters, the best mom in the world. So we do watch out for each other. It's important that you foster and cultivate those relationships because the bottom line is no one person can completely prepare for social unrest, pandemic, financial collapse, because you're going to forget things. And you can't be an expert at everything. So I've got neighbors and friends and family. I'm not all that gifted when it comes to carpentry and mechanics and things like that. But my friends and my family and my neighbors, they are. I have expertise. They have expertise. When we come together and interlock as a team We are stronger together than we are separate. You need to form those friendships now while you can do it slowly over time. Because the best relationships are those that have stood the test of time. When your neighbor comes over holding a chicken and you think he's going to explode, you work through it. And afterwards, you have a closer relationship, you have a friendship, and you trust each other even more. So that's what I highly recommend Okay, enough about Neighborhood Watch. So let's talk a little bit about storing your firearm without electricity. Now, I've got electric gun safes. I love them. i got mechanical gun safes. I love those, too. But think ahead on this. If you don't have an, a power source and the power goes out, eventually the batteries in your gun safe are going to run out. Do you have a way to recharge those batteries? You need to have rechargeable batteries you need to have a solar power source a portable battery that you can charge up from that solar power source and then a power inverter so that you can transfer that energy from the battery into your gun safe or your flashlight or all these other you know electrical items conveniences that we take for granted now when the power goes out all those things go away we have a big supply of rechargeable batteries solar chargers they're just trickle chargers is all they are they're not going to run your freezer or your your furnace because there's just not the uh, the amperage for that but they will be able to charge up your your eotech site they'll be able to charge up all of your batteries uh, your gun safes all of those things now if you don't want to deal with that if you're happy without electricity then go ahead and uh, get mechanical gun safes and those will be fine too I think what's going to happen is when the crap hits the fan, your gun safe is going to be your holster. Uh, Your AR-15 is going to be slung on your back. Um, But you do want to be able to store it temporarily. We are just about out of time here, folks. uh, We are going to be back next week. Not sure who we're going to have on. Uh, We might have the ARC-2 guy on um, to talk about reconstruction. Or we might have another prepper on, but we're going to stay with that topic for next week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Go out, get as much training as you can, do some reading, watch YouTube. Don't forget to go on Amazon and get the God virus um, to start out that series. Also, get Civilian Combat, the Concealed Carry Book, by yours truly, Skip Coriel. In the meantime, stay safe, stay cool, stay calm, stay out of the city if you can. Uh, protect your family. God bless you. God bless America. I will see you next week on the Home Defense Show
0: with Skip Coriel. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.